0: Listen, Sheriff, I'm really sorry to have awoken you from your slumber, but it's over. Hands are tied now. You shut me down. No, no, listen to me. You're IA. That's why I came to you. You can do whatever you want. Remember you came to me and said, you want to be a cop? I'm being a listen cop now. I'm here. I'm I asking offered you for a some help.
1: I need to do listen something. I need to do this for Listen to yourself. me, you <laughs> deaf I offered you a chance when we could have done something. I offered you a chance to be a cop, and you blew it! You blew it.
0: Okay, right <laughs> now.
1: hello and welcome welcome and hello this is wait you haven't seen it's a show where we talk about movies and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before i'm your host travis aka tv's travis this is episode number 250 and our movie this week from 1997 is copland and joining me to talk about it returning to the show it's jay dimes how you doing man what's up man I am. Uh, I am happy to have you back. It's been. A, it's been a while. I think the last time it, you were on, we talked about the contender, right?
0: Or was it the quick and the dead? I was trying to figure oh, that. out. Oh
1: yeah, you know what? I think it was the quick and the dead.
0: Yeah, I was talking to my sister about that today. I was like, I think, I think this is the fourth, the fourth time. I was like, mm-hmm. I think the last time we did the quick and the dead, she and I were talking about the quick and the dead. How. How good that movie is! She still hasn't seen The Contender, so
1: oh, geez, gotta gotta fix that.
0: <laughs> I do, I do, I do.
1: So, so 1997's Copland, written and directed by James Mangold. What if any history did you have with this movie before we watched it uh, this week?
0: I was aware that the movie existed,
1: okay. and I
0: have many times like seen it on sale on iTunes and said, "Oh, you know, for five bucks, I should buy it and watch this because I'd never seen it." And i just kind of kept passing it and the other day i actually noticed that it was on paramount plus and i was like "Ah, i should i should probably watch it and i still hadn't watched it until you know (laughs) i talked to you and you were like oh we should do that i was like yeah and i'll finally watch this movie so um i I actually watched it last night
1: nice so prior to that you had just heard of it but you didn't really know much about kind of anything to do with it really?
0: No, you know, I knew it was a Stallone movie and I knew it was a Stallone movie. That was a departure from what we normally think about Stallone movies. Mm -hmm. And I knew that it had a pretty broad cast. Right. Um, And even knowing that I was still very surprised (laughs) at the number of faces that pop up um, in this movie, even just like, people that are only in it for like a minute or two. You're like, Oh they got this person for that. So, Mm -hmm. uh, no, no, it was really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. So, so the movie comes out in 1997 and this was, um, it's funny because I, you know, I, I remember watching this probably a year or two after it came out. I I watched it on home video. I think I rented it or something. And I didn't know James Mangold at the time. Um, this was before, cause I went and saw a girl interrupted in theaters, but I think that was the next year or 99, something like that. Um, so I didn't I've
0: never seen that movie.
1: It's actually, it's pretty good. Um, we can kind of okay. get into a little bit of that, but like he, he wasn't a name that I knew, but I saw a lot of, uh, trailers for this and, you know, they, they harped on De Niro, Keitel, uh, Ray Liotta and Sylvester Stallone. And, um, I just remember watching it that first time and being really impressed with the type of movie that it was because really with Stallone after like first blood, he sort of became the action star and like ramp mm-hmm. the Rambo movies completely changed. The Rocky movies went even harder into like the sports aspect and the action aspect of it. Um, and he, you know, he really, I mean, he was doing Cobra, he was doing all this kind of stuff. And he had a little bit of that renaissance in the early 90s with, like, Cliffhanger and um, Demolition Man. But then started having some of those duds again. Some of those, like, Judge Dredd, uh, Get Carter, I think. No, Get Carter would have been after this. But it was, this was, like, it almost felt or was being billed as, like, his Pulp Fiction. What Travolta? What Pulp Fiction did for Travolta? That's what this was supposed to do for Stallone.
0: You know, you say that about Stallone, and I and I know that that is the overarching feeling mm-hmm. about a lot of those movies that he did. But there are a lot of good movies. I a lot of like movies from him that I enjoy. That oh, yeah. I feel like come out in that realm, like Assassins. Mm-hmm. Which I think is I think is around that time. Yeah, that was like ninety
1: five. I want to say uh, The
0: Specialist with uh, Sharon yep. Stone, which mm-hmm. I really I really love that movie. Um, and I you know honestly I don't mind Judge Dread um, or Demolition Man that I watched not too long ago uh, again with uh, with my son who hadn't seen it yet. So mm-hmm. I think that yeah. I think that. I think that run of movies, it's a bad, it's a bad rap.
1: Oh, it does. It it does a little bit unfairly. Like Demolition Man's really good. Judge Dread is, Judge Dredd is fine. I don't love it, but I think part of that is I love the newer versions of Judge Dredd, like the, the comics. But I also liked that Dredd movie from 2012 a whole lot. And so. Oh, yeah. My that, problem, I mean, that,
0: was a, that was a really good movie.
1: Yeah. I think like Judge Dredd for me was fine but it wasn't quite what I wanted, but, but it's not terrible. He does get judged a little unfairly for a lot of the stuff that he's done. But, but this was like him kind of stepping away from the action stuff and saying, mm-hmm. I'm going to do a smaller movie. I want to do something yeah. closer to an independent movie. And it, it was a, it was a bold move for him. Unfortunately, the movie Copland did okay. Like it made, it was a shot on a $15 million budget which is yeah, very made, small. They and they made like
0: though.
1: Oh yeah, they made like 45 million I think in the box office. But wow. um it was only lukewarm with the with the critics. They didn't hate it, but they didn't love it. Um and it wasn't the big hit that Miramax was hoping it was going to be when they bought the script. And so Stallone has said like it kind of hurt his career a little bit at that point more than it helped him like he was hoping for um now he's done okay obviously he's
0: a couple funny things about what you said there I don't Mm -hmm. think Miramax has ever had a huge hit like not once and they've had a lot of movies that I love uh they were the home of Kevin Smith and Robert Rodriguez and they're two of my favorites Robert Rodriguez really and then also uh I think a lot of Tarantino's movies were done through Miramax um They've never had a big hit, not once.
1: No, and <laughs> uh, you know part of it is uh, the guy that was at the top of Miramax um, is terrible. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, terrible human was, being, terrible human being, a terrible person. And he also meddled a lot in a lot of the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they never had the huge, huge hit. But this movie, I feel like, is a little bit underrated. Is a tough word to say because I think that people that see it appreciate it a lot i think that it's under scene i don't think it got mm-hmm. enough exposure it was marketed fairly heavily but honestly stallone in this is really good yep. he th- the guy can act the, there's not a question about that but this was if you were watching this in 1997 and all you knew stallone from was all the action stuff that he did this feels so different because it's such a different character for him and he really went for it but he does such a good it's such a good performance out of him not just that he put on 40 something 35 40 pounds uh to play this role which he did and you noticed
0: i don't see i i don't i i read that and i i was like where's the 40 pounds he still looks like he's in amazing shape did he put on 40 pounds of muscle is that what he did (laughs) I he mean, didn't put on forty pounds the way I would put on forty pounds. Just, well,
1: no, no. Know. You and I, you and I, put on forty <laughs> pounds very differently. But he did like. If you look at him, he's kind of frumpy in comparison to it. like. Go back and watch Rocky Four and watch the like the end yeah. of that movie where he gets in the ring. He is just like shredded. And here he's a little. He's big. He's bulkier. Is what he is. He's not lean muscle. He looks like a. Uh, County sheriff is what he looks like, but he's got just a little bit more around the middle, but it's, it's more than just like he put weight on for the role. He also, his physical performance I thought was really good because he's always like his shoulders are always slumped forward Mm -hmm. a little bit. He's kind of head down, sort of all shucks walking around kind of almost dragging his feet. There's a lot of that going on.
0: He's, He's very Barney Fife.
1: Yeah, he is. And you can tell that he, like the character supposed to be a re, very much a wannabe NYPD cop. He mm-hmm. wants to be that so bad. He can't be. So he's just like, so there's a, the, like the guy's going through a lot of depression and probably has been for quite some time because of all of that. And Stallone wears that all really, really well on top of just being, he doesn't ever go over the top. He doesn't ever go, you know, overacting at all. He's very subdued. Uh, throughout the whole thing. And I just really, really appreciated that about him in this. And on top of that, he's got to act toe-to-toe with some heavyweights. Like, he's got to share scenes with Harvey Keitel and Robert De Niro. um, Yeah. Which can't be easy uh, at all. And both of them are great. I mean, De Niro's playing a De Niro character um, as Mo Mo Turpin? Tilpin? I can't remember the last name. Yeah, something like that. He's uh, the internal investigator, um, internal affairs investigator, Motilden. And De Niro's great.
0: Let me ask uh, you a you question about uh, De Niro. Were yeah. you surprised at how little they gave him to do?
1: I was. I will say that. It, and what it is, it's a movie with a lot of characters in it. The, the one knock that I would see um, from critics at the time, reading a few reviews, watching like Siskel and Ebert talk about it, all that kind of stuff, was that um, there were a lot of characters to try and keep track of, and that got a little tough. But w- the more I think about it, what makes sense to me is the story is Freddie's story. It's it's Stallone's character who is the, the main part of the story. And I think this idea of first of all, I love the idea of the city in New Jersey, this little town that's nothing Mm -hmm. but NYPD cops. Um, I love the disclaimer at the very end during the end credits where they say uh, it is currently illegal for NYPD police officers to live outside of New York state. Um, But uh, just the idea of that, like they just want their own little, little town. And this guy, you know, Ray Donlin sets it up. Harvey Keitel's character way back when, and, and they all move in there that's really cool and then you, you know they're all corrupt cops too right but i kind of like that the movie doesn't overplay that plot like they're corrupt cops and they're not good pe- they're not good people most of them um in that way but that's not the main focus the main focus is just i'm not sure just, any of them are. <laughs> yeah i mean they they've all got their problems for sure yeah. Um, but the the main focus is Freddy and the way mm-hmm. he's dealing with all of this. So we can kind of just have all that other stuff out there, but we don't need to explain a lot of it, which I think is good. I think you could very easily get too wrapped up in that conspiracy and who the mob bosses are that they work with and the, the mm-hmm. IA investigation. So, but yeah, it is every time I watch this, um, I'm a little bit surprised. Like I always think of De Niro being in it more. Um, yeah. And so it, it does surprise me when you're like, Oh yeah, he's only got a few scenes, but they're, they're important scenes because they're really what pushes yeah. Freddie. Same thing with Keitel though. Keitel's really only in a few scenes. Yeah. His are just sprinkled a little more throughout uh, the movie, but like he's not in that many. He's great though. I had a note uh, that I wrote down about Harvey Keitel was, um, oh, let me find it here. Uh, Harvey Keitel has this intensity about him, especially in this era, this like from sort of the mid, well, really from like, say taxi driver to kind of the early 2000s, that whole stretch. He's got this intensity about him and he's not, he's physically imposing, but not in a traditional sense. He's not physically imposing like big strapping, you know, looks looks like he could crush you. He's got that old man strength, right? He's got that, yeah, like he's, he looks like a like a guy who's been a plumber for 40 years or a mason or something like that, where he's just worked yeah. with his hands forever. And, you know, you know, that if he punches you, it's going to feel like getting hit by a brick because it's just that's the way he's built. But and so it works in this because he's not bigger than Stallone, but he's absolutely 100 percent got Stallone under his thumb. Like Freddie, yep. Freddie works for Ray. And Harvey Keitel is perfect for that role because it he very much
0: reminds that. me of the role he played in Pulp Fiction as the wolf.
1: Like mm-hmm. He's just,
0: yeah. he just, he just has a, 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 a gravitas that like shows up on yeah. screen and in the performance, even when he doesn't necessarily have a whole lot to say, cause he doesn't say a lot in this movie either, but he's uh, he's always a very strong presence
1: yeah and you need that um you need that kind of presence when you have you know Leota's the same way Leota always has that good presence and here he's mm-hmm. and he was so great at playing those kind of right on the edge of of unhinged mm-hmm. yeah. kind of characters and Figus is perfect as that he's the coked out you know he's a he's he's the undercover cop cuz that was the other interesting thing with all of these cops in this movie is they're all NYPD cops but they're not detectives. They're not higher right. ups. They're like right. sergeants and lieutenants, uniform cops. Um, and that's the other thing I forget a lot too. It's like, usually the the trope is that they're going to be detectives and that's how they're on the take. And no, these are just like, these are guys on the street. Um, but Leota is the undercover and, but he's a cokehead, right? He's taking, taking cocaine out of evidence and he's doing all sorts of stuff like that. And, He's taken his bribe money. Um, he's mm-hmm. not a saint by any stretch, but he at least, his character at least is kind of, wants out. He's sort of done with all of what's been going on. He's he's seeing, he's benefited from it, but right. he's no longer comfortable being part of it. Um, and it's a great, another great performance. I mean, Leota's great in this. Yeah.
0: The, uh, the bar scene when he gets um, into it with Robert Patrick is, ama- is amazing. Oh, yeah.
1: It's, it's so good because you've got Robert Patrick who's, you know, he's playing, he's kind of the enforcer of
0: mm-hmm. the
1: group. You know, he's supposed to be the tough guy. And Leota's just calling him a kid and, like, telling him to shut up and all this. They're probably, like, what, five years difference in age, something like that. <laughs> but, but you know that uh, Figgis has been around for a while. And so that's just how he's going to treat him, and I, I liked that. I like I liked that antagonistic sort of thing going on between those two. Um, every like everybody up and down this. Uh, Peter Berg is Joey yeah. Randone. Um, he's he is probably the one that is. He's got his own demons and his own skeletons, but he doesn't. I don't think he was prepared to go as far as like ray and uh and jack and those guys right because he's the one he has that moment where he comes back and they find him by the pool and um he's like wait what is going like he can't believe they're trying to kill murray in that scene yeah he's surprised by that because he thought they were he literally thought they were just going to give him a new life and get him out of there um but it's not like he's a good guy right because he's uh playing around behind his wife's back with ray's wife um, and taking bribe money and all that kind of stuff. So you know, <laughs> that nobody, was uh, nobody in this is clean.
0: That was one of the great lines of this movie. I, I had to write it down. Where where, where uh, uh, Kaitel's wife says, um, "If he doesn't like where I dump my trash, tell him to stop mm. soiling my sheets." <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, oh, that's that's on the nose."
1: It is. It is. Uh, that's Kathy Moriarty playing Rose. And again, she's in what? Three scenes, maybe? Yeah. But mm-hmm. she's great. She's yep. perfect as... Because she she basically lives in this tiny little, you know, this little 1,200-person town in New Jersey and probably just never goes anywhere, right? She never goes into New York City. She just stays yeah. there all the time. And, uh, and she plays that role and just nails it. Um, John Spencer is kind of the, I guess he's kind of like the captain. I don't know. Um, uh, he's I love listed
0: as John Spencer. As was, John Spencer good is good in everything. He is the one detective listed in the credits.
1: Is he? Okay. Yep. So, and I, I did read that he was initially up for the role of Ray, um, which would have been an interesting take. Cause it would have been a lot different from kind of Harvey Keitel's version. Yeah. But I, you know, I like him a lot. It's, I think he's better served being that detective and, and only being in a couple of scenes because I want that. I need that intensity that Harvey Keitel brings in a different yeah. way than John Spencer does.
0: I love John Spencer though.
1: Like if it's a, Oh yeah. And I think if this was more focused on the NYPD aspect of it, I think John Spencer could obviously have a bigger role. Um, mm-hmm. and that would work because he he has the intensity of like the um, you know, a captain or uh yeah. kind of a higher up. He's more of that sort of bureaucratic intensity as opposed to Kaitel is a physical intensity. So but even uh Michael Rappaport, this is actually the first movie. I think of when I think of Michael Rappaport as weird as that is of oh. all the stuff that he's done over the years. Uh, when I, when I hear his voice, I just think of him as Superboy, uh, driving his dumb, you know, Honda or whatever he had.
0: So funny enough until a couple of weeks ago, the first thing that I would think of when I thought of Michael Rappaport is Metro, another police movie that he did with Eddie Murphy. I don't know if you've ever oh, seen yeah. it um I thought he was in that yeah but will and i sat down and watched bamboozled the other day and i don't know that i will ever be able to think about michael Rappaport anymore and not think <laughs> about Bamboozle. um so yeah really but I love i've michael never seen Rappaport. that you've never oh that's a that's oh, a tough great. movie to watch it's it's a It's a very, it's a satirical movie, but it's a very tough to watch satirical movie. I don't know that they could make that movie now, Um, but it's, it's, it's really good.
1: Hmm. I'll have to look for that. Yeah. He's great. He, what I like about him is like, you see interviews with him and he's that guy all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. He just sort of is that dude all the time. And he's perfect in this as, uh, and I love the, I love the name, Murray Superboy Babbage. What a what a great character name. He's, and he's actually like a little he's more the young cop. He's, he is. And again, not in it a whole lot. Like he's basically in the That's beginning true. and yeah. then he kind of shows up. He's got a scene partway through and then he's disappeared again for a while cuz he's he is the um the macguffin of the movie. Yeah. Instead of it being an object, it's a character and it's Murray. Um but I liked him. Because he had, he was young enough still that he had some of that vulnerability, and sort of the he was, he could play vulnerable, but also just uh, you know he got his job a little bit out of nepotism, right? He's not Murray's not super, all there like right? He's competent, but he's not the sm- he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, and uh, and it works, it works really well because he just sort of falls in line with like he probably. Is the most innocent of all of the cops that live in that town. Mm-hmm. But it's more so just because he's younger and he doesn't know any better. So he just kind of follows the lead. As opposed to being like overly ambitious and and kind of a bad guy. He's he's just sort of dumb in a way. It's kind of how it felt to me. Because even he, at the time of the inciting incident on the bridge, in the in the aftermath of that, he doesn't want to, like, he doesn't want them to plant the the evidence. He doesn't want any of that stuff going on. But he also knows how much he screwed up. Yeah. So, that's sort of where I where I kind of got that feeling, like, yeah, hey, he's not he's not a terrible person. He's just naive and kind of dumb.
0: Were you surprised but. by the twist with him that he? Did, I mean, the, I guess I can't spoil the movie at this point. It's 20 years old. That he didn't actually <laughs> die when he jumped off the bridge? Like, that it, that, that was the the twist?
1: Oh, um, no. i I wasn't. And the reason that I wasn't as surprised by it was it was too early in the movie. And the way that things went down, because it's sort of that movie shorthand of, like, if you don't see somebody... Get mm-hmm. shot or you don't see somebody underneath the building when it falls or whatever jump off the bridge. they didn't actually die
0: then it didn't if it happen, happened
1: yeah. off screen it didn't really happen, and it was sort of the combination of there was a big distraction, and then you get Harvey Keitel's character saying he jumped, and he's being very performative about making sure everybody hears him say that and I was like okay so so he's not really dead yet, is he like and I had no idea how they got him off the bridge without anybody seeing it because it happens in a cutaway. Right. Um, but but that, I'm, I know the first time I saw this, I'm like, he's got it. He, he can't be gone yet because they would have shown us him falling or splashing in the water, something. Um, I do think, though, again, it kind of plays to what I'm saying where he's sort of he's naive and a little dumb is when they get stopped uh, on their way back by um, Stallone and Janine Garofalo. And then, as the car's pulling away, he looks out the back of the car. Yeah, like, dude, yeah. no, keep your head down. Keep <laughs> like, your head down. You do that, and the whole there's no movie. Uh, right. Yeah. So, which Janine Garofalo? Also, I forgot completely that she was in this. Um, I you
0: know it, okay. I'm sorry. I I ahead. think there's a delay, so I thought you stopped, but you.
1: <laughs> oh. Yeah, so I was just going to uh, say that there was a She initially lot of... turned it down.
0: Huh. That's surprising.
1: Yeah, her initially she she turned it down because she was just offered the, the role and then she didn't know who James Mangold was. But so uh, her agent was like, well, he made this movie called Heavy. Check it out. And so she watched that and then immediately said, yes, I'll do the- I watched this in an interview with her. She's like, I watched heavy. And the next day I called my agent and said, I take it back. I'll do the movie. And I said, yes, without even reading the script. <laughs> so <laughs> those, those kinds of stories always, uh, or I think she read the script and said, yes, one of the two, but like she was basically just like, let's do it right now. So, um, I love hearing stories like that.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Like when I was looking through the cast of this, there are so many people in this movie that are tied to other movies together or TV shows together. Um, like there's a lot mm-hmm. of Sopranos, a lot of people that were in the Sopranos are in this movie. Um, yeah. Janine Garofalo and and John Spencer ended up being on the West Wing together. Um, That's right. Uh, which is probably the, my favorite thing that I've ever, I've ever watched John Spencer in was um, the West wing. There are a lot of people that were in Spike Lee movies in this movie too.
1: Mm-hmm. And Scorsese, a lot of Scorsese yeah. actors yeah. in here.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, uh, we didn't mention, but Annabella uh, Scoria, I think yep. is how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Um, she played Liz. Um, she went. She was in Sopranos. Yep, I think. And I know was she in was in a, Spike Lee movie too. She was in Jungle um, Fever. That's right. That's the one. Um, I liked her character. That was the one subplot that I wish they had been able to dive into more. Mm-hmm. Is her and Freddie's relationship? Because we know, like, we learn throughout the the movie that that's what caused his hearing loss was right. she went off a bridge in her car. He went, he jumped in, rescued her, but he lost his hearing because of that. That's now why he can't get on the police force. And so like they get along fine. He always had a thing for her. Um, it was one of the great moments in in his performance when the, the two of them are sitting there and she asks him why he never got married. And he says, you know, uh, all the good girls were taken uh, or all the best girls were taken. Um, but, At the same time, like part of his depression is because of having helped her. Yeah. And there's that, there is that other moment where he's talking to Ray Liotta and he says, you know, if I had to do it now, I probably wouldn't do anything. And that's like, they, they sort of gloss over that. Like it happens and then move on, but that's kind of a powerful moment where he's like thinking about, you know, if that came up again, he would just let her. He wouldn't go in and try to rescue her, which is crazy. Um, but that was the one subplot I wish we had been able to spend a little more time with. And I think maybe <laughs> if you make the if, if Martin Scorsese directs this movie or somebody like that who who's prone to do like two and a half, three hour epic movies, we would have right. gotten more of that. This one of the strengths of this is keeping it at that hour forty five minutes, you know, hour fifty minute runtime to keep yeah. the pacing going.
0: I, I, You know, I really could have taken another... Like, another 15 minutes I don't think would have been a bad thing. I would have liked to see maybe some interaction with um, Randone and Mrs. Donnelly. Because we get that one line, but, like, there's nothing yeah. else in the movie about it, right? We get the line, and... One of the things that I wondered is did Donlin know the whole time that Randon was messing with his wife? Or did he put it together when when um Heflin makes the when Freddie makes the comment about the trash? Like, is is that when he knew that something was up? Or Yeah, has he known the whole time?
1: I'm not because really we don't
0: hear again about that situation until he lets him fall off the, off the the building.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. The closest we get is at the funeral that they're that they hold for Superboy, when Donlin or when um, when Rose looks at Joey and Joey glares back at her, and then you get while he's looking at her, Ray looks over at Joey. And it's sort of at that point you kind of think, well, he might know now. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like he knew all along because it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that because because of how casual, how casually she mentions it to Freddie, uh-huh. even though she says, "Are you going to tell Ray about this?" I feel like there's no way Ray doesn't know. Like he's just too smart of a guy, yeah, to to well, not notice that. But but you could, you could be onto something though. He may not have, he may have had suspicions, but didn't really know anything. And then Freddie showing up talking about the gr the trash would have been the thing that clued him in. Yeah. So.
0: I also I thought that, that was an odd, that was an odd relationship of like <laughs> of the women that he'd run around with. Like she seems a little too old for him. And like, yeah, that's just dangerous. Like your boss, who we know is a yeah. is a dirty cop. Like that's who you that's 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 the woman that you want to go find. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's a bold move, uh, and it didn't pay off for him. So
0: no, it did not.
1: Because he fell off a building after fighting with Method Man. Yeah, which that, that, that was, was the nice other one splinter. that surprised me. I didn't. <laughs> it was. I had no idea. And the scene started out, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, is that Method Man? What, like, and I had to, I had to look it up. I had to confirm because I, at first, I wasn't sure. And then he talked a little bit more. I'm like, oh yeah, that's Method Man, totally. Um, yeah. And that's, he actually has a name. His character has a name, even though it's never said. Um, which I thought was, I always love when they do that in a movie where a character is named in the credits, but, you know, Chandel was the name. For his character, but you never hear it. He's only in that one scene. But this would have been kind of before he really started acting. Um, I don't know if this is the first thing he did, but it's got to be early on.
0: So that scene makes me wonder, was there another scene where we see um, like a hit get put out? Like, so do you think that 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 yeah. was tied at all to Donlin, or is that just a random occurrence that happened to tidy itself up?
1: You know, that's a good point. I bet you there was a scene maybe in the in an early draft of the script where that could have been set up because. It seems like it's a little too convenient for Donlin that the guy who could be a problem for him suddenly uh, gets into this scrape and he just happens to be working at the same night and all that kind of like, there are a lot of conveniences in that. So, you know, you, you might, uh, I don't know that I ever really thought about that before, but now I'm wondering if there is, because crooked cop, I mean, yeah, it'd be easy for him to, he's got, Even if he's not a detective, he's got, you know, thugs and criminal informants and things that are on the street that he, he, he's probably busted the guy a couple times. Right. And just uses that leverage on him. Yeah. So, huh. I never really thought about that, but yeah, that makes sense. But that was a very, uh, that was a fun little almost cameo, uh, just to have him in there. I thought that was, that was good. Um, I just, like, so much of this movie, the pacing of it, the... Now, the script. I love this script, and I love this script because of its simplicity. But apparently, so did all the actors, because they all worked for scale. Oh. In order to make this movie. Um, Which, that tells you how much they liked this script back then, when it was kind of getting shopped around and and people were getting copies of it. Um, Because, like, I could see... If it's an okay script, if if Mangold writes an okay script, you get one maybe two guys that are like, yeah, I'll take a little bit of a pay cut to do this. But you got De Niro, Stallone, Keitel, Leota. These are names. These are box office draws even at this point yeah. uh, for all of them. Um, to all be like, yeah, no, we'll work for scale to keep the budget down for this this young director. This was, I think, and I'm going to confirm this, but I think this is Mangold's second movie. Yes. Because he had done heavy. Yep. That was heavy was his uh was his first one. So so this it's this guy's second movie as a director, and he pulls this kind of a cast together. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, it, well you know. And then I mean, he think went on to helps. do some really good stuff.
0: I think it helps that nobody has to do a lot of heavy lifting in this movie. Like nobody's on. Like you can't. None yeah. of the actors are on the screen for long. Like high percentages of of the movie. Maybe I mean Stallone might be the closest yeah, really. one, but everybody mm-hmm. else kind of pops in. I guess Stallone is probably. He's not in every scene though. I mean he's like he pops in twenty minutes into the movie. And then at that point maybe he's in almost every scene but not not all of them but like so yeah he even he got to take a good chunk of this movie yeah. off um
1: yeah it's a real ensemble cast and they all have parts to play and they all have you know mm-hmm. kind of equal footing which is nice so yeah i i bet you know that's that all had to play into it they they read this script they really like it they're seeing all these good characters and they're kind of like yeah we can do this movie and and this feels like that kind of movie that um sometimes actors will do like a big budget thing um so that they can make some money and then they can go and do the smaller Uh movie that is a script they really like that's what this feels like is one of those it's that script yeah that, you know, De Niro reads the script and he's like, I want to be, I want to play this guy, Mo Tilton and, um, and all of that. So, you know, that helps. And I mean, look, James Mangold has gone on to do, he's had a hell of a career. Uh, if you look at some of the stuff he's done, I loved, and I just recently covered it on this show, actually identity, which one was his from a couple years later. Um, I mentioned girl interrupted, but also walk the line with walking mm, Phoenix. Yeah. um, 310 to Yuma, the remake. Yeah. That was a real good one. Um, Logan. Logan is fantastic.
0: Amazing. Amazing.
1: And, uh, and
0: I didn't hate
1: Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, you know, it was what it was. Um, it was enjoyable. But, like, his two movies prior to that were Logan and Ford versus Ferrari. And those are both highly regarded and very good movies. Um. But he has this way of of really doing these smaller character pieces
0: funny enough i have never seen a single indiana jones movie really (laughs) not of all the things like of movies that i haven't seen i think that's the one that shocks people like how have you not watched i don't know never watched any of them and
1: i think the reason the, the reason it would be surprising for me is just because those movies were just everywhere for a while.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And like, you couldn't, you just sort of accidentally see them. They'd play on, you know, some TV channel somewhere or whatever it was, but it's surprising. But then at the same time, I don't know. It's it, it like, it is of a certain style of movie. And if you're not into those adventure movies, you know, it might, it just something that may not grab you. Um, I grew up with them, so that makes a big difference, too. But we'll have to fix some of that, maybe. We we'll <laughs> might have to have another conversation here.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm always game. I'm At least
1: the game. first three are, yeah, the first three of those movies are very good. Um, okay. But... But Mangold is just he's a director that I like because he likes to do these kinds of movies. Right. This could have been an overblown or bloated sort of thriller or whatever it was. But he wanted to focus on Freddy and focus on this this one aspect of things. That's what made um, identity work so well for me was it was this little bottle movie that takes place at this motel in the middle of the desert um, with a bunch of characters. And then you find out there's some weirdness going on. Um, but it's what made Logan. Logan is basically a character study that is wrapped up in a, in comic book lore. Mm-hmm. And that's what made that work is he focused so much on the characters and that's what he does. Well, I think is he gets, he gets good characters and then he gets good performances out of people. And it feels like he feels like a director that actors want to work with. And apparently has been able to do that since like his second movie. <laughs> so that's impressive. Right. Yeah. It's really impressive. Um, and getting actors to kind of come out of their comfort zone, right? Like Stallone could have easily just kept making action movies. He didn't mm-hmm. have to do something like this, but he wanted to. And, um, you know, his first day on set, I guess, was working with De Niro. And the scene, supposedly the first scene they shot was the one that I played the clip from at the beginning where De Niro's eating the sandwich and um, Freddie's coming to him with like, Hey, I want to do the right thing. And it's already too late. Like that whole scene was, I guess the first day they shot together. Um, And I love that scene. I love that scene for a lot of reasons. Partly is that it feels natural because Mo is sitting there eating a sandwich during the whole thing, which was, Mm -hmm. I guess, uh, the story goes that De Niro chose that. He, like, improvised that into the scene, um, which is great because he's got, work. you know, ha- he's got a mouthful of sandwich most of the time. Yeah, it added something for sure. Um, oh, I forgot to mention one of the cast members. He was the, um, so you know, how there's kind of, there was Ray, there was Jack, and then there's that older guy. Um, oh, what the hell was his name? His character. uh, Frank. The kind of older cop, oh, the one that yeah. um, waits out in Freddie's car for him. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was Arthur Nascarella. Yeah. Uh, Arthur Nascarella was actually an NYPD cop for twenty years um, before yeah. getting into movies. I thought that was. I always, I always like that too. That because that brings not only does does that bring some extra weight to a role, but it brings a little more authenticity. He can kind of help everyone else sort of act like because you just watch him and you sort of do what he's doing and you're halfway there. So I love that. He's great. Uh,
0: he, he was one of the actors who was on The Sopranos. He has also been in six mm-hmm. Spike Lee movies.
1: Six? damn. Six.
0: I think he's, he may have I, been in more know. Spike Lee movies than anyone other than Sam Jackson. Quite
1: possibly. Huh him or John Turturro. that's pretty cool, actually, yeah mm. um so I mentioned earlier about how there was a disclaimer at the end that uh the story is a work of fiction, and it's illegal mm-hmm. for n y p d cops to to so that's true this is a this is a fictional story. It's not based on anything real, but Mangold actually grew up in a town of Washingtonville, New York that was a lot like this. Mm. So, that's where the idea came from, was his kind of living in a town where, you know, everybody got outside of the city, but the dads, as he put it, the dads commuted into the city every day to work, and the family stayed in the small town, and they never went into the city. So, he was pulling a lot, and I think that's what makes the script really, really well work, is that he knows what he's writing about, and he's pulling from his own experiences. So, I thought that was kind of cool, though, that he sort of pulled from that and he actually lived in a little town like this, just in New York State instead of New Jersey.
0: To that point, other than the intro kind of narration, there was never a real explanation mm-hmm. about how that town was set up. Like, if you walked into that movie five minutes late, you would have been wondering, like, how did how did this happen?
1: Like because <laughs> they yeah. never
0: really talk about it again.
1: Yeah. Because. It, yeah. It's, it's one of those things that like for the rest of the movie it's just sort of, you should know it. Right. And right. they're not going to give you that info. And um, again, I think because the story is about Freddie and how he's dealing with all of this, it's not important that we learn that. But it does make you question, like, well, how did they set this up? Who does he? How does he recruit the the officers that are gonna be able to get a house in this place and and live there? How long have they been doing that? Um, mm-hmm. But it also, to me, one of the things I like about that is it makes it feel like a uh, a more lived in world where we don't have to have an exposition dump explaining the the rules of this town. It's just sort of it is like that and we're just dumped into it right so i like that it does that but yeah they don't if that's a good that's a good way to put it like if you came into this if this was playing on tv and you missed it you came in at the first commercial break you don't know what's going on you don't know why they have that because they they do all of that in the opening narration this is one of the few times i think where i i shouldn't say few times but this is a time where that opening narration and closing narration really helps
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just, just a real quick thing, give you just enough to get started, and then, boom, get into the movie, do it, and then wrap it up at the end. Um, I think sometimes that voiceover narration can get overused, but uh, this is a good use of it, because you yeah. do need that primer. Just just enough to get you going. Um, Yeah, I, I also like... Okay, so this is from an era of kind of mid to late 90s, um kind of drama movies are rated where the little bits of action that go on there, there's something about this era of like this ronin was another one um that mm-hmm. they have there are rated for a little bit of language but also just the level of blood when they do start shooting right it's not yeah tarantino levels of over the top there's not blood splattering everywhere but instead of just being a little like a squib that just like the squibs they they put big blood packs underneath them and the blood kind of pours out of them i don't feel like you see that anymore a lot of it's kind of done post-production and cg these days for a lot of action movies yeah but it just feels like that that sort of thing that you just don't see done that way yeah like you either get sort of the James Bond version where shots are fired and you might see a, um, like a burn mark, but for the most part, it's just sort of shots fired in the direction of people and they fall down. Um, but this was like, I mean, that shot of Kaitel when he gets, when Freddie turns around and shoots Ray and you can see him gets hit in the stomach chest area and sort of stoops over and blood just pours out of that wound before he falls down. Like it's, it's rough. Yeah. Um, so that with the language obviously gives you your R rating. Uh, but I, I like that there's something about that style that just, maybe it's because it's like, it takes me back to watching movies at that point. I don't know. Um, yeah. but I just think of that and this movie had it. Did you have a standout or favorite performance? in the movie? I mean, we talked about how there's a lot of good ones, but was there one in particular that really stood out to you above all the others?
0: You know, I think what you said about Stallone is great. And it's a, I think it's a very understated performance, which is very different for Stallone, but I kind of thought Ray Liotta stole the show.
1: You're not wrong. I kind of agree with you
0: like that, that bar scene, like between the conversation that he had, like, he does a lot in this scene. He has that conversation with, with Freddie. He gets into the shouting match. Well, I guess it's not really a shouting match. He's really just shouting at Donlin, and then the fight with, um, uh, what was Robert Patrick's character's name? Oh Rucker Rucker
1: um, uh, Jack yep Rucker yeah.
0: like he he does all this and it's like you know can't be more than like seven minutes of the movie. but it's so much mm-hmm. and it explains a whole lot and he does it he does yeah. it great.
1: Yeah. He's that scene and then his acting without saying a whole lot in the scene where his house is on fire and he shows up yeah. and finds out that Monica is there, right? His girlfriend is is there and she's yeah. all burned up. Because at that point we don't know. Like I mm-hmm. you have your suspicion, right? When you're first watching this, you're like, Okay, somebody torched his house, right? There because it happens after that. And right. um he's He's, you know, he's upset them, so they retaliated on it. And then to find the twist of what happened later that, yeah. oh, no, he torched his own house because he wanted out. He that was his way of getting out of Copland yeah. was to burn his house down, collect the insurance money and get out of there. And then for it to all go horribly wrong, the way it did with Monica and her happening to be back there. And. They don't dwell on that a whole lot because, again, it's not his story, but that had to mess him up a lot. So I did, I did like, I loved his performance because of Mm -hmm. the way his story unfolded and the stuff that we got to end up learning about him. And then to have him be, you know, he he does come through for Freddie at the end. He's like the one friend that Freddie has, really. Yeah. or at least real friend like Ray pretended to be his friend. And I think that Noah Emmerich's character, the other deputy, I think was good friends with, with Freddie too, but he's got a wife and kid on the way. And like, I love the moment and I'm, I captured the audio of it and I'll play it in a little bit, but I love the moment where at the end where he's like, I want to stay and help man. But, uh, (laughs) and Freddie's like, just go home. Don't like, I, I liked that moment, um, but yeah, Ray Liotta, so good, so good. Yeah, he he's gone, gone too young. He's way too young that, to go because uh, he just go ahead.
0: Oh, I was going to say that is one of the things that struck me watching this movie. That of all of the characters in this movie, um, Ray uh, Ray Liotta's the one that's gone. Other, I mean, John Spencer was not. Well, I guess John Spencer wasn't that old when he passed. He wasn't even he wasn't even 60 um, when he died. But uh, so many other older characters in that movie, you wouldn't think that Leota would be the one that wasn't here uh, any anymore.
1: Yeah. No, that's true. Um, But he was just he was always a compelling uh, Mm -hmm. screen presence. I liked him in everything that I would see him in, even even something like I saw No Escape for the first time earlier this or uh, earlier in 2023, and uh, you know that's a pretty by the numbers sort of mid 90s action movie, and he's still bringing it. And he's really good in that. There's just some actors that always seem to bring you something, and this Figus character feels like if his character from goodfellas had had been a cop instead mm. of uh, a wannabe gangster yeah it sort of it feels like this is where that character would have ended up um because he's got that great scene when he drives off where he's just like i got to check in my my pocket and i can get you know i can start my new life and uh i don't care about you i don't care about you know i don't care about this town i don't care about any of the people here i'm leaving like, he just doesn't care because he's fed up with it all. He's he's seen too much and done too much. And he's probably... They don't mention it, but I'm guessing that the coke, the cocaine problem that he has mm-hmm. started two years earlier when his partner... When the whole thing happened with his partner and all that stuff. Like, I have a feeling that up until then, he was kind of in line. But... And just taking the money... And then all that happens and all that goes down and it's eating him up. And so he tries to medicate it with cocaine. That's my guess. That's kind of how I feel like that that all played out in his story. Did and you ever watch? He's now wanting to like sort it out. Did you ever
0: watch Shades of Blue, the TV show?
1: No, I did not
0: so shades of blue is almost exactly what you're just is is what you're describing like when you say if his character from oh really good <laughs> from goodfellas had been a cop so shades of blue is a show with uh him and jennifer lopez and he's a dirty cop oh wow um really really great show oh. um was on three seasons i think but worth watching yeah, it looks um, like
1: 30 something episodes
0: yeah, Jennifer Lopez, Ray Liotta, Drea De Matteo uh, is also in it. Yeah, you might like it.
1: I will add that to the list of. I will add that to the list of shows I will one day get to watch. <laughs> Sadly, that list is getting longer all the time. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, no, that looks a lot of good TV. Oh, it's interesting. Coming. I. There is. It's you know Ray Liotta is somebody that I, I've never not liked in something. Everything Mm -hmm. I've seen him in, I've always liked him in it. Even if the movie, the movies can be of varying quality, but he's always good. There's just those actors that are just always good in what they do. Or because of him, I saw things like um, Joe Carnahan's Narc back in the day. um, Which if you haven't seen that, that's a real good movie.
0: Oh, I I forgot about that movie.
1: Um and. Yeah, even even a smaller role like um well, it's another ensemble but Smoke and Aces. Ray Liotta's mm-hmm. great in that. Love um, that. Um he's in Identity. He worked with uh he worked with Mangold again in Identity, which you know, again, I I love that movie. So, it's he's just one of those people that just always brought and he and and he brought So, I I talked about how Keitel had that intensity uh that and that physical presence that he has where he just Kaitel feels like the, your, your uncle that you don't mess with um, Ray Liotta brought a different type of intensity. And he had that just always on the edge of, of, of kind of snapping and losing it. And mm-hmm. you didn't know what he was going to do. And that's the type of thing that made him imposing and him scary. Isn't so much that he was going to be bigger and stronger than you. But if he snapped, you don't know how he was going to fight. It was going to be like trying to fight a spider monkey. It was just going right. to be crazy. Yep. And I love that too. And he really, really did. He always did a good job of acting with his eyes and showing that intensity in his eyes. So yeah, Leota, that's a good one that, that perform his performance in this. So good. I mean, just everybody, everybody brought it for sure. But he he brought a little him and Stallone. I feel like because again, Keitel is great, but he's he's he is playing a character that we've seen him do before. Yeah, because um, you mentioned the Wolf. I even got uh, shades of Mister White from um, Reservoir Dogs. Like, yeah, he's played this character before, and he does it great. Mm-hmm. Um, De Niro being De Niro, and he's great. Um, but to see to see what Stallone was able to do in this movie that was different than what we were used to seeing out of Stallone. I just really, and I really appreciated it even more this time watching it than I had previously. Um, I did capture some audio clips, uh, cause there was some good stuff in here. Um, I want to play a couple of these for you. So let's see. Um, okay. Uh, it's just a very, very simple one, um, but this is Sylvester Sloan. I mentioned this line earlier. This was one of those quiet moments, and it's, it's him with uh, Liz. And it's just the way he delivered the line because, again, there's that kind of aw shucks thing that he has going on. He doesn't – he's never like shoulders back, right? Shoulders are always slumped forward. He's always kind of n- nodding his head a little bit and kind of looking – not making eye contact with people. Um, and she asks him why he never got married. And I just love the the delivery of... All the best girls are taken. All the best girls were taken. And she knows exactly what he means, which is... Yeah, you. I was in love with you. And you weren't available. It was just a very quiet, very, very, very adorable moment in the movie. Um... I got, I did get your, your line, the one that you wrote down because it's so good from Kathy Moriarty. Okay. You tell Joey ran down. If he does not like my garbage, well then he should stop soiling my sheets. So good. <laughs> she says, as she's smoking a cigarette, you can tell it's like her, you know, She's she's it's it's 11 a.m. She's a pack of cigarettes into the day already. She's got that voice. She's got that very just raspy, smoky voice.
0: Something else that's I I take from that line that I think kind of matches up with something that you said earlier about that she doesn't leave the town. This also makes me think that Mm -hmm. he's sleeping with her in her house. I mean, his wife is never out of the house, so it's not happening there.
1: Oh, right. Ballsy. Absolutely. Ballsy. <laughs> it really is. It really, really is. Um, Let's see. Uh, <clears throat> this was... I think so. I don't remember what this one is now. Go home, Freddy.
0: And don't think so much.
1: Go home and don't think so much. When, like, Freddy... Because that was one thing that I did like about this movie, too, was that Freddie isn't the smartest guy. He's kind of the wannabe cop, but he's not an idiot either. He's really not dumb. He's just he's so kind of wrapped up in like he wanted to be a cop. He's not. The depression is, is hitting him hard. And so he more or less pretends not to know. Mm-hmm. But he like he knew that Superboy was alive. He knew that Superboy was around, and he's going to Ray to talk to him to be like, "Come on, you know, it, wh- how do you think this looks? You're throwing a party the day after you had your nephew's funeral and all this kind of stuff." And Ray just doesn't care. I mean, that's Ray doesn't actually like Freddie. Freddie looks up to him, and Ray doesn't yeah. care and just tells yep. him to go home and stop thinking. Just do, just do what we tell you. Yep. Um. Oh, that was the other one. The other Keitel one is, uh, and this one is in a lot of, I think it was in a lot of trailers too, Uh, but this was great.
0: And you come to me with a plan to set things right. Everyone in the city holding hands, singing We Are the World. It's very nice.
1: It's very nice. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You know what I thought about that? I'm glad they went with We Are the
1: World too and not Kumbaya. Yeah.
0: I wondered if Stallone came to kaitel about the job of sheriff or if kaitel like hand picked Stallone how that worked that whole you came to me with the plan right um mm-hmm. like was that the plan like you move your your people out here the town will be safe because it's full of cops Uh,
1: i'm not sure i i do think that you're probably right in that Kaitel, you know ray picked him Mm -hmm. and sort of knew him and knew that he wanted to be a cop but couldn't get on the force and so sort of used that leverage right and and chose him um so yeah it's it's an interesting thing to think about um, i
0: also wonder how you become and a from that a small town
1: <laughs> well usually it's county sheriffs i know around here it's like we don't have sheriffs in small towns necessarily it's like county um hmm. but yeah it'd be interesting because I know a lot of times that's an elected position. Mm-hmm. So I did, I guess in this fictional world, they basically were just like, well, we'll make sure you get elected. <laughs> we'll, and and if it's all policemen and NYPD cops and the majority of the town, it probably was pretty easy to do. Yeah. So. um, I did clip just a very small part of...
0: It's very nice.
1: ...to have for a soundboard clip too. Because... <laughs> It's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, De Niro, De Niro for his limited amount of time in the movie has so many great moments and lines. I mean, I I played, I played that whole exchange in the beginning and it's just great because you get thing. I offered you a chance to be a cop and you blew it. Also, every time I hear that now you can hear the sandwich in his mouth while he's saying it too. He (laughs) takes a bite of that sandwich. But even little things like early on, uh, second scene we see him in, because the first one is when he's interrogating. Uh, he's in the interrogation room. But then when he just shows up in the town and he walks in to buy the cup of coffee. And uh, I just love. I heard it was a way of life out here. Thought I'd check it out for myself. Like That's just such a De Niro delivery. Mm-hmm. I just love that. Um, I do like. Hands are tied now. You shut me down. My hands are tied now. A little 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 walking in there, even. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um Still again, mouthful of sandwich, mm-hmm. which adds so much to that scene. Just that that small detail of he's he's being really dismissive to the point where he's not stopping eating his sandwich to tell this guy off. Even with uh when he when he mentions Joey Randone and he's like fall off a building, should we read the papers? To read the papers like loved all that um even you know they have that moment where he's like they you know this, these, this place never gives you napkins what am i supposed to do like that's just a small moment in that scene that adds more to it and it makes it feel like a like a real moment in time happening and not a staged scripted scene um so i love that kind of stuff also go to lunch I gotta, I gotta find somewhere to use that all the time. Like, just yell at people. <laughs> so that was, that was good. Uh, oh, Rayliota. Um, I liked the diagonal rule. I never really thought about it, but it's kind of a cool thing from this movie because it sort of feels like some sage wisdom, but also like something somebody just made up at the same time. When he's trying to explain it to, to Freddy. And he says it the first time in the bar. And I just, I, I really liked it. And it was this Diagonal rule. Red light, don't fight, you make a right. It's more important than, than the golden rule. If Superboy knew that he'd still be alive, Freddy. Go. <laughs> Because it does. It's. It sounds like something really profound, and yet at the same time, like he's just slightly drunk and just making stuff up.
0: <laughs> it makes sense, though. It makes sense.
1: It does. It does. Um, and this one, this is, I think, Figus's character as a character, his best line, and he's 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 telling Freddie like, I got my check. I got a chance. I don't care about this town anymore, all of that, or your and I love it where he doesn't say, he doesn't tell Freddie I don't care about you. he just tells because he he does care about him, but he doesn't care about his need for justice mm. and uh and I thought that was a cool line followed by
0: being right is not a bulletproof vest, Freddie
1: because it's true, and he's as a corrupt cop, he's seen that like. You can be right, but you still will end up in the gutter. Yeah. Uh, And that's why he wants out because he's just, he's had too much. But then he does, he does (laughs) have that great moment. And again, it's a Ray Liotta type thing where he's acting with himself in the mirror as he's driving the car, keeps looking up and then starts yelling at himself. We've, we've all done that at some point, had that moment where you're having the argument in your head. And you're just like, shut up, stop, stop telling me. Yes, I know. I know I'm doing the wrong thing. I love that they, they threw that in there and then, and then to have him show up right at the end to, to take out John Spencer before, uh, before he could shoot Freddie, which that shootout was cool too. I like that ending scene personally and kind of the play with audio and putting the high pitch squeal in there and, and all that kind of stuff and playing with his deafness. Um, and kind of how it all played out. I liked it. Um, yeah, th- this is a, I feel like, underseen movie. It's on Paramount Plus right now. Yep. Um, so if you have that, you can watch it. Um, and it's usually one you can find in like DVD bargains too, uh, if you're ever out and about and you want to get a physical copy of it. Um, and it's worth buying. I-, I really think this is a movie worth seeing. I'm glad you got to see it. Me too. Um, I'm glad Me that too. you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of those that I feel like unless you are sort of a film buff, um, it's, it's the kind of movie that you can just sort of not think about because it's there. It was, it didn't make a huge impression on kind of mass audiences, but it was sort of one of those. And I, I think it comes back to that whole idea of the script and yeah. everybody loving the script at the time where it's like the, you know how there's like those musicians, musicians, the, the bands uh-huh. and the artists that like people that make music, listen to this feels like that kind of movie where it's like people that make movies or are in the film industry. Think about a movie like this general public, this kind of came and went and general public. Doesn't think about it. It's not top of mind, um, but it should be because I think, I, I think it's something that if you, if you like good acting, Uh, it's worth seeing this and seeing Stallone do something different and seeing Stallone kind of be a different type of character um, can help you appreciate him a little bit more too.
0: I am surprised that with the, with the success that Manigold has had post that movie, that it hasn't come up more.
1: Yeah. He feels Similarly he feels like that kind of director that like I've talked to a few people that love his stuff um and he's getting more notoriety but he he never he never feels like that name that you mention when you think of the best directors out there right now you yeah. know the names that come up are your finchers and and scorseses and those kinds of names even the younger generation of directors but it's like James Mangold doesn't get mentioned but then yeah. you look and it's like well, yeah, but he did Walk the Line and Ford versus Ferrari, and mm-hmm. he's producing stuff all over the place. Like, the guy's good. Yep, um, for sure. He's also kind of selective. I mean, he's, in 20-something years, he's done 15 movies. Yeah. Which isn't, a, like, he's. it's not like he's not doing anything, but he's not pumping stuff out you know, either. Does he write, too? Um, yeah, because he wrote this and um he wrote well he wrote dial of destiny he wrote the screenplay and story for um logan that was him so he doesn't write everything like he wrote his first couple of movies and then didn't write anything again till logan but he directed stuff like um he didn't write but he directed the wolverine um and night and day and 310 to yuma um were stuff that he just directed. So he kind of does a little bit of both, but he is one that when I see his name attached to something, I'm usually like, well, you even night and day, which when I saw the trailer for it, I didn't, it didn't blow me away. And then I saw, Oh, but Mangold directed it. Well, I'll have to check it out just because, you know, certain directors have that thing that they do. Kate and Leopold is another one. It's not my, it's not in my wheelhouse of movies but it's one to check out just because he directed it and it's not bad. Like it's, it's better than it has any right to be. And I think that's what he does really well is he does movies that have characters in them that you kind of, you, you care about them.
0: Mm-hmm. Kate Leopold is uh, who's, who's the, who's the female lead in that? Is it Kate Winslet? Uh,
1: I think so. Let me check. That is, oh, it's Meg Ryan and Hugh Jackman.
0: Oh, okay. I have not watched that.
1: Yeah, it's uh the the tag for it and or the blurb is uh, an English Duke from 1876 is inadvertently dragged into modern day New York where he falls for a plucky <laughs> advertising executive. So it's a, it's it's very much a rom com, um. It's got that kind of fish out of water thing going on. But um, you know, again, it's man gold and the guy just does he gets good performances out of people. Great in cast in this movie. Usually thinking about. Oh yeah. He gets I mean, his castings are always great. Like three ten to Yuma, if you haven't seen that, watch three ten to Yuma. That movie is so good. And it's just cast up and down is great it has got uh, Russell Crowe and Christian Bale and a bunch of others in it. It's really good. I mean, he's just he's he's one that I like a lot. So, but I'm glad that you. I'm glad. I'm really glad that you enjoyed this. Oh yeah, because um, it, it corrupt cops. Yeah, I mean, corrupt cops are you know movies about that. They happen a lot, um, and sadly, it's no better now than it was. 20-something years ago when this came out, if arguably worse. But this is a movie that gives you kind of a, not necessarily a different spin on that, but just a different angle to look at it from. Yeah. Instead of focusing on the the corruptness of the cops themselves, you're focused on the the, uh, the stuff outside of the workplace yeah. where they have problems and sort of what they do at home. This was really cool. Um, So, yeah, that is Copland, uh, 1997, written and directed by James Mangold. You got to check that out. Now, you do a show. uh, You're still doing Joystick and Mouse, right?
0: We are still doing Joystick and Mouse. As a matter of fact, we should be recording tomorrow. So, every other Monday at 8.30, we do uh, Joystick and Mouse. And you can find us on Twitch. Um, The Twitch is under... want to say it's on don's twitch give me one second it's uh diddy does games and uh we record over there okay you know if you want to hear some dads talk about gaming come check us out
1: absolutely well dude it's been great having you back i love having you on the show anytime um we uh, we will have to have a conversation about uh, getting some Indiana Jones in your life, because I think and I think you watching that with Will, uh, I think, could be a lot of fun.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I will. That, I will wait until you it, they're,
1: have this. Oh, I was just saying, I will wait we'll, until we'll you make have that happen.
0: A, sounds good.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Um, This show, I record live on Sunday nights, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. You can check it out if you want to see the live recording. Uh, And then it comes out as a podcast uh, everywhere you get your podcasts on Wednesdays, including YouTube. Um, YouTube has a podcast feature now, and it's pretty good. So check all that out. You can go to um, any social media network and find me there as TV's Travis as well. If you want to see what I'm up to, what I'm watching, or or games that I'm playing, or you just want to send me a line and say, hey... uh, cool that you covered this movie or here's a here's an idea of something if you haven't talked about it yet i love to interact um and you can also go to tvstravis.com that site has links to all the shows that i do um it's gonna have links to uh upcoming projects as well and uh there's merchandise and a patreon over there uh or you can go to patreon.com slash wyhs it's uh, as little as one dollar an episode for this show um and all the other projects that i do so definitely check that out. Uh Jay Dimes, thank you so much for being here. This has been wonderful. Um, gotta not go so long between episodes. <laughs> that's that's my fault. I gotta be better about getting a hold of you.
0: Whenever you have uh you you need a guest, man, I'm always down to talk about movies. So
1: excellent, excellent. And definitely check out joystick and mouse. Um, you and Don do good stuff over there too. So uh Now, next week, uh, coming back to the show is going to be Stargate Pioneer. Um, He's coming back and we're going to talk about a Robin Williams movie that I've never seen. Uh, I've never seen Bicentennial Man. And he brought that one up. He wanted to talk about it. And I said, sure, let's go for it. I love Robin Williams. Um, I've heard mixed things on Bicentennial Man, but I'm willing to watch it. And if nothing else, I'm going to enjoy Robin Williams. So I get to talk about that next week. Um, and I've got some more fun stuff coming uh, after that. So definitely check that out. But un- so until next week and until uh, we talk about Bicentennial Man, Jay Dimes, thank you for being here. Thank you all for listening. You're wonderful. And just remember to enjoy your movies. And uh, let's be excellent to each other. This has been Wait. You haven't seen Because you have enjoyed this (laughs) program.